theyeshiva.net. We're up to page Memtes, closer to the bottom of the page. The line starts, Ki im hi amadrega, madrega hal yenu shabal b'kayachin tzav bakshama. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Thirteen lines from the bottom. Thirteen lines from the bottom, page Memtes, in this maimah of Yadaita, Moskva, Tofresh Nun Zayin. So a communicator must often employ a marshal or many mashala metaphors, illustrations, parables, stories, allegories, in order to illustrate and bring forth and convey a message and an idea that it should be able to be absorbed and understood and appreciated in the mind and in the heart and in the soul of the pupil, of the makabal of the recipient. And for this task, the mentor, therefore, must diligently um, recalculate how he or she communicates. Not only is it important that the idea itself be conveyed in a, a in an appropriate way, tailor-made, custom-made, restricted, mitigated, and sometimes diluted, or often diluted, for the mind set and the unique chemistry of the student or students. So it's not only, but that's the number one, where the idea itself has to be mitzumtzum, eclipsed and curtailed and veiled. But in addition to that, there's a need for an extra garment, which is a marshal, where you transport, you're not even discussing the idea, so to speak, you're going into a new discussion, which is what a good marshal is. It takes the student out of the actual discussion, and you're dealing with a new seemingly a new topic, but of course only seemingly because really it's a marshal that's going to bring him or her back to the nimsh. And yet, despite all of these concealments and restrictions, it's only from the perspective of the student. It's never from the perspective of the teacher. Because the teacher, of course, sees within the marshal the nimshal. And even within the restricted information, he sees the full breadth of the information. So when it says that you have to teach your student in a brief and concise way, it's a type of kitzer that contains within itself oh, thank you, the entire depth and length and breadth of the concept, like the Mishnah contains within itself the entire Gemara, even though it's in a concealed way. And from the teacher's perspective, he can see in the brevity the full depth of the idea. In every mushal, he sees the depth of the nimshal that he's trying to convey through the mushal. And he gave a mushal that in uh, in 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 Atayra, Nister, the Eretz, the physical planet, our physical earth, is a mushal, it's a metaphor for what we call malchus, the quality of malchus. There's Malchus of Atzillus and Malchus of Bria and Malchus of Yitzira. And what that means is, as we explained, that all of its physical properties, and that means all of the physical properties, including its thickness, including its shape, including its force of gravity, its weight, including its reproductive powers, etc., etc. In other words, any type of feature is essentially a muscle, a metaphor that can allow you to glean more awareness to understand the nimshal, which is the divine energy known as Malchus of Atzillus. And it's not just a mushal, and that's the key. 
that can explain it, but rather the marshal is an evolution of the nimshal. It's not that there is earth and there is malchus of atzilus. Earth is malchus of atzilus, the way it assumes a physical incarnation. And this is therefore what allows the person to appreciate not just an explanation of spirituality, but to be able to see the integration and the oneness of everything, of the ruchni and the gashmi, the spiritual and the physical together. That's what he says. So after the parentheses, in the earth he sees, he sees in the earth a marshal as a nimshal. Yeah. Really the marshal and the nimshal are one. This is just ruchni and this is gashmi. That's the key. It's not that it's two separate universes. And the marshal is just, I give a good marshal so you can get what I'm saying. That's a marshal often that we bring. You want to illustrate an idea. So you illustrate it. Sometimes it's meticulous. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's precise. Sometimes it's not precise. When you're talking about the marshal of Gashmi is for it's really one. It's just here it assumes a spiritual manifestation which makes it intangible. It's nebulous. It's heavenly. And earth allows me to be able to see the ruchni through the gashmi. So it's not two separate things. It's really one and the same. It's the way the spiritual assumes a physical incarnation. It's bahakshama. But it's really that same toichen, that same pnimiyas, the way it's manifested through the physical levush. So therefore it's not two separate things. It's mamash the same thing. The mashal and the nimshal are mamash the same thing. Even though, from the marshal's perspective, you could differentiate, you don't may you may not see the nimshal in the marshal. That's true. That's true. That's why, on one level, it's a lavush, because you want the person to be able to understand it. So it comes into the marshal. There's always the danger that when you see the marshal, you won't see the nimshal. But in truth, the marshal and the nimshal is one thing. Just this has a lavush ruchni, and this has a lavush gashmir. This doesn't have a lavush, and this has a lavush. And therefore, the receptive mind, from the mentor's perspective, he sees all of the nuances of the nimshal and the mashal. Since it's really the same, so whatever exists in the nimshal is going to come out in the mashal, because it's not two separate realities. The physical planet is not just a mashal as a detached mashal, it's a manifestation. So whatever is in the source is going to come out in the marshal. Every detail of the marshal is going to be consistent and reflective of the nimshal, because it is the nimshal. And this is what allows the perception of godliness in a very real way. When a person stops differentiating between the marshal and the nimshal, Stop separating between the two and understands that there's nothing in the Olam Hagashmi, there's nothing in the physical world and in the physical life on any level which you are observing or studying or seeing that is not a mirror and a reflection of divine energy. Just here, it's exp- this, this aspect expresses this truth and this aspect expresses this truth, but it's all a marshal for a nimsh. And this is what allows the Re'iyah of Elikus to be Bemuchash. To be muchish means real, practical, because the physical world, I can see. But ultimately, it's, it's for different realities, right? For life, 
It's all Mashalam. You're asking, aren't Atzilas Bri, it's different realities, and here we're saying it's one reality. Like a, like, like a, like a Nimshal and a Mashal. Do you say it's like looking at something with colored glances? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Same thing, but it is different. It's all of it. Is it all of the of who were all given a big object, right? <laughs> and everyone decided it was something else. This one decided it was a tree, and this one decided it was a beam, a pillar. This one decided it was a, a counter, a plank of wood, and it was an, it was an elephant. And each one, you know, grasped a certain dimension, and uh, from his perspective, or from his sensation, this was an accurate description. But uh, it was a fragmented description. In other words, they didn't they couldn't appreciate the full picture. And therefore it became something else of than what it is. There's a beautiful explanation of the Shalom. The Shalah Kadesh Rabbeinu Yeshaya Horowitz writes in his Sefer Shalosh Neluchas Abris and Asar section called Asarma Morris. He discusses there the big question of the Rishonim, a whole very long section. Why there's no explicit mention of Olam Haba in Tanakh? In Chumash, whenever Hashem promises rewards to the Jewish people for behaving or to the world, it's always material rewards. In both the rebuke and the rewards always revolve around the land, prosperity, health, life, completely about this world. You would expect at least one verse to say, and by the way, when you die, <laughs> there's a big afterlife waiting. Not a mention. Yeah, there's a remez here, and a remez there, and a remez here, but all remez. In Gemara and Midrash Chazal, the concept of Olam Haba is explicit and frequent. But even the word Olam Haba is nowhere to be mentioned, nowhere to be found in Tanakh. There's a world, there's a soul that doesn't die. After this world, there's a whole other experience. It's one of the very interesting questions that Rishonim ask. Chavis Alavavis has ten answers for this. Because some said, so you see, Judaism doesn't believe in an afterlife. <laughs> Just believes in this world. So there's a lot of different, the Rambam discusses it, and the Ramban, and the Ritva, and there's uh, many, many Rishonim explore this at length. The Chavis HaLavavas, I told you, ten reasons for this. The Shalom gives a very interesting reason. And he introduces a Gemara, the Gemara says, in Mesechta Sukkah, Tav Chavches, that Hillel Azakin had 80 students. The oldest, the senior one, was Rabbi Yonason ben Uziel. And the youngest was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, of course, lived through the destruction of the second base Hamikdash. 
And he was considered the youngest student of Hillel the Elder, Hillel Azadah, <coughs> who lived a century before the destruction of the Beis HaMakadosh. Yonisim and Azir, they used to say that when he would learn every bird that would fly over him, would get burnt. But Rabbi they said, that his, his scholarship was so expansive, he knew the language of animals. He knew the language of trees. He knew Kala And it says he didn't leave go of a big thing and of a small thing. What's a big thing? He knew which is what we spoke about yesterday. The four people who entered into the orchard, the whole world of mystical reality. Merkava is the chariot that Yecheskel Hanavi saw about the divine and the angels and the, the higher worlds and the Kisei covered, etc. What's Dover cotton? So the Gemara says, Havayas da'abaya All of the sugis of Gemara and Mishnah that are known as the discussions of Abaya and Rava because this was their sole like your main occupation in life, Rabbi Yechonim didn't neglect that either. Of course, he lived much earlier than Abayan, but the Gemara means Davar Katan is that he knew the whole system of Pilpul and Halach and all the intricacies and the explanations and the proofs and the sources and so forth. So the Rishonim ask, how is it that the Gemara, none other than the Gemara, calls the whole Shas and Paiskim, what we call Havai, the Bible of a Davar Katan, a small thing. The, the, the Ritva says, the Rambam says, says, this is what Jews have been doing for thousands of years. This is what their main involvement is, to learn Torah, to understand Torah. It's what they do in all the yeshivas. For decades and decades, Jews dedicated their whole life, and at the summation, you say, it's a small thing. And the Gemara says this, not another, somebody, some stranger, about who Rabbi Yechina ben Zaka. This was the small thing of his life. An understanding of the whole world of Nigel. So the Shalah, so there's different explanations. Many of them are not very satisfactory. The Shalah gives the most, uh, uh, Shalah gives a very powerful explanation. And it resonates. And he says, we read the Gemara wrong. Dover Gadol Maisa Dover The great thing is the chariot. The system of spirituality, which is the world of Kabbalah, basically. Pnimi is a Tyranista. Sefi Yitzirir, Zayalamalach, Sefer Haboyer, Zoyer, these types of texts. And then you have Dover Kotten, Havayas, Dabayavirov, is what we call Tyrus Hanigla. Mishnah, Gemara, Shas, Poiskim, Rishoyim, Achroyim. Obviously, in Berchin of Benzaka's days, he didn't have not Mishnah, not Gemara. But the, but the seed of it all, the concepts of it all, you had even more, perhaps. So he says, we say seed as two separate things. That's not what the Gemara meant. And he gives an example. Today we can appreciate how accurate the example is. He says, you look up at night and you see a star. And you ask your child, how, you, how large is that star? Remember when you were a child and you didn't know much about astronomy, how large is that star? I don't know, it looks like a, a marble, maybe an apple, maybe a cherry. Okay, maybe a little larger. And how far is it? It's not too far. And how? what's the distance from that star to the other star? Oh, it's just probably uh, <laughs> just a five-minute walk. A five-minute walk. Maybe you need a helicopter and it'll take ten minutes from one star to another star. And of course, when you study and you get to know the truth, the, these, some of these stars, many of these stars, are not only larger than Earth, 
not only larger than the sun, but some of them are billions of millions and sometimes billions of light years. And remember what a light year is. Light travels 186,000 miles per second. Millions and billions of light years. And that's why they're so small, because our eye simply doesn't have the capacity to detect such distance accurately. So it becomes tiny. The distance from one star to another star is not a million years of traveling in an airplane or a spacecraft. It could be millions and billions of light years to the point that there are stars that their light reaches us and they're not here anymore. They're gone. (laughs) Because the light travels and it's so far, by the time the light reaches us, they're completely gone. The stars have already uh, gone on to the next next phase in in life. From our perspective, it's a dover cotton. It's very small. If you would see it from close up, you would see it's humongous. It's a dover goddle. It's huge. It just depends what you see, how you see it. And he says that's one of the ideas of the metaphor that Hashem tells Avram that your children are going to be like the stars of heaven. Everything is perspective. Sometimes you could look at yourself, and when you look at yourself from a distance, what do you see? You see a tiny little person who's insignificant and valueless. If you could look at yourself from a deeper observation and closer up, then the very same reality has tremendous significance, tremendous value, and tremendous power. It's just you're seeing it from a very, very limited vantage point. The same reality two people could see. This star is like awesome, it's unbelievable, its dimensions, its its largeness, its properties. And from my perspective, it looks like a little onion. A little marble in the game, Chinese uh, Chinese uh, checkers. One of those little marbles. And you're, you're, you're analyzing what a devil is vis-a-vis a devil Yeah. But you have to say that notwithstanding the, the marshal is inaccurate, that the stars are really huge, aren't you going to say certainly, certainly that the, the devil battle, you can't understand its, its godless... In a chanami, for sure. That's for sure. Says the Shalah, that's Pshat what the Gemara says, means Dover God of a Dover Kot. The way we look at Torah, even those who are a little familiar with both aspects of Torah, it looks like there's two dimensions of Torah. There's Torah's Hasad, what they call, and there's Torah's Hanigla. There's Nister and there's Nigla. Nister means the concealed, the esoteric. And some people will tell you, okay, when you start talking about these things, I shut down. Just take me back to Baba Kama and Baba Basa, Masech Shabbos and Erevin. That's my knowledge. And then there are those who dabble inside, whether they know or they don't know, they think they know, they want to know, they want to make believe they know, they would love to know, etc. For whatever whatever the level of knowledge, but it's two completely different realms of Judaism. Which Allah says, no. It's like a mashal and a nimshal, it's the same thing. There's no nikuda in nister that's not expressed in nigla. And there's no nikuda in nigla that doesn't originate in nister. You'll say, Why? It's not because it happens to be that both concepts are discussed in both places. Because it's exactly the same thing. And here we come to the process, one of the most fundamental ideas in Nister, known as Seder Hishtalshlus. Literally, the order, Hishtalshlus means a chain, but it means the order of evolution. Not to confuse with evolution from the world of Darwin, the origin of species. It's a different sugya. Evolution here, we're talking about 
from spiritual to spiritual to spiritual to spiritual to physical. That's the evolution we're talking about. Generally, we speak about four worlds. Atzilas, Bri, Yitzir, Asir. Those four worlds are a fundamental concept in the whole world of Pnei Yisateri, in Kabbalah, in Sifri Hashkafe, Sifri Chsidah, Sifri Kisvei Harizal, etc., the four worlds. Much before the Harizal, even the Ramah. How do people understand the four worlds, even if they understand it? This is the world of Asiya, and then somewhere there's a world of Yitzir, there's a world of Bria, there's a world of Atzilus, so what? If you take a spacecraft and you travel 100 billion years, you'll crash into Yitzir. And then if you go another 200 billion light years, you'll crash into Bria. And then if you go 100 trillion light years, you'll crash into Atzilus, and by that time, you'll become that. Or you want to say it's spiritual stuff, so it's not here or there. But the truth is that the entire perception is erroneous because the four worlds are not really four separate worlds. The four worlds are basically, you could, I'm just putting it this way to be able to understand it a little better, are four layers of perception. It's four layers of consciousness. It's basically how much you see the nimshal in the marshal. How much do you see the nimshal in the marshal? Bria is a manifestation of Atzillus in a lower form. And Yitzir is a manifestation of Bria in a lower form. And Asi is a manifestation of the above in a physical form. So I could look at the marshal and see only the marshal. In other words, I only see the outer layer. And I could look at the marshal and see the nimshal. And I could look at the marshal and see, I see the nimshal with even more depth and more clarity. And then I could see the marshal and see in the mushal the entire nimshal. In other words, the two are completely not different because the entire mushal is a reflection of the nimshal. What's the difference? Is the question if you're looking at it from the student's perspective or the teacher's perspective. From the student's perspective, the mushal is a mushal. I don't know the nimshal because the reason he's giving me the mushal is because I don't know the nimshal. So he's giving me the mushal. From the teacher's perspective, he started with the nimshal. He used the mushal as a way to convey the nimshal. So for him, the whole mushal's entity is nothing but a reflection of the nimshal. But from the student's perspective, I don't have the nimshal. I only have the mushal. And then I have to go with the mushal and hopefully trace it back to the nimshal deeper and deeper and deeper and higher and higher. So therefore, the Shalah says, every sugya and gemara, all Havayas Dabai Verov, is my Samarkava. It is my Merkava. It's the working of the divine chariot. In other words, what we call a Dover cotton is really a Dover Gadol. What may seem as a little nuance, a little diuk, a little vart, a little svara, a little pasik. Yesterday we were learning in Gemara, the Psach and the Feh, about lo yimotze. If it says lecha, if it doesn't say lecha, and how that changes all the... It's a Dover cotton. A word, a letter, an extra word, missing a word. It seems like a very Dover cotton, like the star. But if you could see it from the full, from its, when you could see the full picture, when you could see it from close up, you could see that every one of these little stars is essentially huge. When you could see Nigla from the perspective of Maisa Merkava, then you see that the smallest manifestation of a halacha, is really a reflection of deep, infinite, divine truth. As an illustration, I once gave you, as when you write somebody an email, and you're in a rush, so you put in the name in the email, and you decide you're going to take out the dot. You'll take out the dot, 
Who needs the dot? And then you're waiting for a response, and there's no response. The person says, why didn't you send me the email? I did, I just took out the dot, I was busy, what's the big deal? But the answer is, that's real foolish, because that dot, maybe from your perspective, it's only a dot from the back end's perspective. The programmer who created the program understood that if he gives you the full program, it's going to be overwhelming and confusing. So the representation is a simple email address that then allows this information to reach cyberspace and arrive at your doorstep or on your phone in Australia, wherever you are. But the dot is not a dot. (laughs) The dot is a representation of a program that is extremely profound, extremely intense, extremely creative, and extremely powerful. What's on one level a dover cotton, on another level is a dover gadol. That's pshat in Abiyachin Abin Zakaloy Nech, dover gadol, dover cotton. So the Shalos says, our question of why there's no Elam Haba in the Tanakh is based on a false premise that we read the Torah in its physical language. It says, because we don't read it. We are used to, right, when it says heaven and earth, what do we hear? We hear physical property. So then we ask, why don't you talk about spiritual properties? He says, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's discussing spiritual properties. And it's just using terminology as a mushal for the nimshal. Because it's really the same properties. The Ramban has an expression. The Ramban says, it's actually talking about a spiritual reality. It's intimating. It's alluding to a physical reality. So when it says, Yosef's brothers took off his tunic and threw him into the pit. I hear, they took a person, they threw him into the pit. I see the marshal. Maybe I'll one day come to the nimshal. Maybe not. From the nimshal's perspective, it says the Torah was written before the world was created. There was no Yosef, there were no brothers, there was no tunic. Kayan killed Hevel. I hear Kayan killed Hevel. And that's true. The Gemara says in Shabbos, But essentially, from the Nimshal's perspective, it's the other way around. We're talking about metaphysical... It also happened. It, tra- it translated into a physical phenomenon, of course. That's what I'm saying. That's what the Gemara says in Shabbos. So from the outside perspective, when I'm looking outside in, I have only the marshals. He says, that's called a dover cotton. If you could see it from the nimshal's perspective, and again, the nimshal itself, there may be layers and layers and layers. I told you Shleim HaMelech had 3,000 mashalim. What's a marshal on one level is a nimshal on another level. What's a nimshal on one level is a marshal on another level. In other words, the marshal of the earth is a nimshal to a higher level of malchus, but that level of malchus is only a marshal to yet a higher level of malchus, which is only a marshal to yet a higher one. Every nimshal is also a marshal for the nimshal above it, and that nimshal becomes a marshal for the nimshal above it. All of life is like layers of an onion, you know, you peel one layer, you just get to another layer, and they're reflective of each other, they're mirrors of each other. The more mashalim, it's because the more you want to bring it down to the dover cotton. You want to bring it down to the world where it becomes tangible. So you could look at this world and see the world of Asiya. You could look at this world and see the world of Yitziri. You could look at this world and see the world of Ri. You could look at this world and see the world of Atsilas. It just means what dimension. What are you seeing inside of it? You could look at the same reality and two people see completely different things. Just like I told you, two people read music and little notes. One person just sees 
black lines that will bore them after two, three seconds. And the other person in the same notes, he just sees it as musical notes. It's a mushroom. He'll start singing. He'll get excited. You'll show some composers or, 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 or even readers of musical notes and you'll see them smile. You'll see them humming a song. Well, I don't understand why you're humming a song. Because he saw it as a keli that's capturing a noir. He saw the oir in the keli. He saw the nimshal in the marshal. I mean, it may be a wild coincidence, but the Shayla's insight is that the Gemara is talking about Tvarim Tanim. It could have said anything. It could have said Shnai Moksim Batalis, you know, Eruvi Shabbos, but the Lushan of Havayas, Havayas the Rava. It puts the word Havayas mm. in that thing. You're saying Havaya, Havaya is not by a Rava. But it's Shem Havaya coming into Elokim. Say good. There's a Pidush from the Vilna Gon in, uh, in, uh, in Mishle. The Pasuk says in Mishle, Yehi mekercha baruch, usmach meeshes nurecha. Your source should be blessed. Literally means your reproductive source should be blessed, should have a family, and enjoy the wife of your youth. That's what he's blessing him. So the Vilna Gon says, what's the shaykhs to Mishle? Mishle is a sefer about Torah, about Chachm. So he says, Yehi mekercha baruch, usmach meeshes nurecha. Torah's Hanigla has a mucker, a source. The mucker is Pnimi Yisatayra. It's a muscle for a nimshin. So when I learned Shnayim Oichz and Betalis, two people are holding on to a cloak and they're fighting. You say you found it. I say I found it. You say it's yours. I say it's mine. So Yachloikum. Here we're fighting about a talus or a jacket or a pair of pants or a robe, whatever we're fighting about. A talus, a robe, a cloak. But that has a source. In Ganeid, they also learn Shnaimachs and Batalis. The Balshemtiv says that Talis is a lavush, it's a garment. And every mitzvah is a lavush. A person dresses himself up with the divine. Shnaimachs and Batalis, two people are fighting over a mitzvah. Zoimra Nimitzasiv, Zoimra Nimitzasiv. Hamachlif Parabachamayr, it's brought in Chsidis, that there's two types of animal souls. One person has an animal soul that's a cow. One person has an animal soul that's a donkey. What happens if they switch it up? <laughs> they have the, they think they have the, they, they don't realize what type of animal soul they have. This physical chum is that you have to clean up and check up on the night of before Pesach with a candle. But the Vilna Gon says that has a mucker. The mucker is the same halacha, the same discussions from a sp- in a spiritual world, from a spiritual perspective. So he says, Let your source, the source of Torah, be blessed. And then, You'll be able to enjoy the wife of your youth. And he says, the wife of your youth represents the wife, the woman you marry when you're young. Especially in those days when they married extremely young. Extremely young. Sometimes after about mitzvah, 14, 15 people got married. So he says, when a child is young, you don't raise him with pnimius. You raise him with nigla. You raise him with mishnayis, with chumash, with mishnayis, with the literal interpretation. He says, but nonetheless, when you start learning it, there's so many diyukim and meticulous insights and details that sometimes something is unsatisfactory here. Like it looks like sometimes the logic doesn't seem, seems a little perplexing and the focus on details seems a little perplexing. So he says, but once you'll discover the mucker 
at a later age, then you'll find a new simcha in all the learning of your youth. Because when you'll see in nigla, the pnimius, it's going to be a different nigla. It's going to be a completely different nigla. Because you'll be able to see it as a marshal for an imshal. It doesn't take away from the marshal. It only enhances it and gives it dimensions of depth and meaning. It's not a competition. There's a pirush according to pshat. And then there's a pirush according to nister. It's hainuhach. It's the same thing. It's just here, it, the spirit, the physical incarnation is seen as assuming a physical dimension, but it's really conveying a spiritual profound idea. You'll walk into a home. So some people walk into the house and say, wow, it's a nice kitchen, it's a nice dining room, it's a nice living room. And they're impressed by what are they impressed? They may be impressed by what just seems very elegant and very nice, exquisite. An architect, a contractor may come in and he notices completely something else. You see, a contractor comes in the house, he, his eyes right away gravitate to certain words. Oh, wow, look how this person did this and this person did this. He appreciates Then the architect comes in and he appreciates it from an architect's point of view. Everybody's looking at the same exact structure. But one person can detect and see in it things that are relatable to his understanding and his level of awareness, just like when it comes to the musician with musical notes. And the same is true with every single phenomenon in life, that the mashal and the nimshal are really dover echot. It's mamish one thing. This is a mashal, this is a nimshal. The question is only which perspective of the mashal you see and which, how much of the nimshal you see in the mashal. So when we speak about different worlds and different processes and higher reality and lower reality, it's really, really, it's not higher and lower. Really, it's not four worlds. Really, it's all one. Four worlds just means four states of consciousness that God allowed different creatures, different existences to experience based on how much tzimtzum they have to deal with, they have to confront. Because from the teacher's perspective, he just sees the nimshal everywhere. The mushal doesn't block anything. The mushal doesn't block, it doesn't conceal anything. Rabbi Yechina ben Zakkai, he saw the gadol in the cotton. it wasn't a cotton anymore. When the cotton is traced back to its source, it's a gadol. You just have to see it, be able to see it in that way, that perspective. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody understands. And that's the concept of Hishtalshalus. Hishtalshalus simply means when you're studying an apple or a watermelon, a peach, a kiwi, a grapefruit, an esrig, a lemon, whatever you're studying, whatever you're looking at, right? You're studying a flake of snow, a droplet of rain, a blade of grass, a little tiny insect crawling. I could look at the tapuach, I could look at the apple, and I see an apple, and it's true. What does it mean to live in the world of Atzillus? Not that you don't see an apple, you see the same apple. But the apple is a metaphor. The apple is a reflection. The apple is a continuum. The apple is a mirror of divine energy. Even the taste of the apple, the fact that apple, some apples are sweet, some apples are sour, this says that the chmitzah, satapuach, 
the the chmitzutz, the 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 zayer, the the tartness of an apple is a reflection of a particular type of divine energy. <laughs> Just like the tartness of an orange and the sweetness of a grape. So I can eat the grape, and what do I feel? What do I sense? A grape. I say it's a good grape. It's not a good grape. Did I capture it? I captured the moshal. I didn't capture the nimshal. Baruch it's not just saying God created the fruits of the tree. It's actually a very complicated process how that fruit happened. Usually with the partnership of a person. What you're basically acknowledging is that the Priha 8 is also a reflection of Aleikeinu Melechayla. Or you drink a drug, what do you say? Everything comes from his word. It's a manifestation of energy. And therefore, even the color of an apple, the taste of an apple, the properties of an apple, the dimensions of the apple, the nutrients of the apple. If you dissect the apple and the apple is disintegrated in terms of what nutrients does it contain? What does it do to your body? What part of the apple does what to what part of the body? In other words, the apple on every single level, its shape and its dimensions and its de- density and its color, its pigment and its taste and its, fa- its properties and its nutrients, it's all essentially a marshal for a nimshal. What does this then mean in a person's life? Imagine, yeah, a person... Their whole life, they're being, the, the Baal Shem Tov once said that when a person feels love, when a person feels attraction, love, what is it? That's what he said. Also very daring insight. The Baal Shem Tov said that God basically wants to tell the person, I love you. I love you. I want a relationship with him. That's what he says. But he doesn't know how to speak to you because you're down here on earth. So what does he do? He channels and restricts that love through a marshal. And the marshal happens to be that you feel this attraction, you feel this excitement. It may be to this, it may be to him, it may be to her. So he says some people just grasp the marshal and they strip it from the nimshal. Really, God wants a relationship with you. And that's the Chiddush, the Maggit says, I said uh, yesterday, the Maggit says about the wife of Potiphar. The Zitcha Maggit says that, um, it says that the wife of Potiphar was tempting Yosef again and again. He didn't want to be with her. He refused, the Shalshalas, etc. And then one day, and the Gemara brings in Saitel Amidvav, Rashi quotes it. There's a machlekes Rav and Shmuel. One of the opinions is that Yosef surrendered, but the last moment he saw the image of Yaakov in the window, and he abstained, and he ran away. Vayonos vayetze hachutza, vayazov bigdoi biyada, vayonos vayetze hachutza. He left his cloak in her hand, and he ran away. So she remained with the cloak, from which she proved later that he did uh, undesirable, promiscuous things, and she put him into prison. I saw a word, the Gary Rebbe was the Pnei Menachem, Repinchas Menachem Alter, was uh, the previous Gary Rebbe. So I saw a word from him, he said that, it says that Pare gave Yosef a Shidduch, Osnas. Who was Osnas? The daughter of Poitifar. Bas Poitifar, a Koyen Oyen. So he asked a question. Poitifar was no saint. 
The wife of Potiphar was certainly no saint. She was quite a machshefes, as you can see from the story. She took an innocent man and threw him into prison for no reason. She was guilty. He was innocent. How is it that Osnas, they raised such a wonderful daughter, that he should be able to be a good shidduch for Yosef? I'll peep shot. So this is a real Polish gerich, Siddish Shavart. He said, because Osnas grew up with the kapota of Yosef Atzadik in the house. <laughs> the levish from Atzadik. The kapota of Yosef Atzadik in the house was taka torn kapota. It was torn. It was kapota for Yosef. He said, there was a kedusha, the kedusha in the house. Avart in the Pnei Menach. Apoil Shavart. Shmak Avart. So, uh, which kapot? That was the strimal. That was the strimal. We're talking about the kapota. Vayazov big de biyada abs ashay de vart. Yeah. Yeah. No, for good reason, maybe. <laughs> the truth is, even in Chabad, they wouldn't say such a vart. But in Poland, they said these vart. <laughs> Vayonos. They once asked of Mayor Shapiro, the Lablinerov, the Heritage of what's the difference? What's the difference of a Chassid? Yeah? And a Litvak. They asked him. So he said, in those days there were differences though. So he said that uh, they both learned the Gemara in Sukkah, that Yonas and Benuziel is learning, and while he learns, every bird that flies over him gets burnt. So he says, the Chassid says, wow, such a Kedusha Satoira, as a fire that a bird is flying over and gets consumed in the flame of Yonas and Benuziel's Torah. So that's one person learning. His Chavrusa says, one second, is he Chayev to pay for it? <laughs> Is he chayev to pay for the bird or not? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Is he chayev or not? Dine de garmi, dine de garme. It's not so portrait. And if he knew that he's going to learn Torah and there's going to be such a fire, is it a barber shusarabim? V'chuli, v'chuli, a lot of questions. Chatsi nezek, nezek sholem, that happened the first time, the third time. So the Maggit says, this is Alderich Hatzachas, but the Maggit says... That Potiphar's wife was beautiful and Yosef was beautiful. Yefei Torah, Yefei Mara. But Yovei Habay Salasis Malachta, Yosef felt. That's what the Gemara says that Yosef, however you explain it, he felt some gravitational pull. He felt some Meshicha. How did the image of Yaakov help him to abstain? He didn't know what Yaakov looked like before. He grew up with Yaakov. He always knew what Yaakov looked like. He sees Yaakov's image, the Zoya says, and he abstains. So the Gemara says that Yaakov gave him a message. Zoya just says he saw Yaakov's image. Rashi also says, V'chulu. So the Magid teaches, Alpinista, Alpipnemius, Yaakov is Midas Hatiferis. Yaakov is the quality of beauty, splendor. So Yosef said, what do I need the marshal? I'm going to go to the Nimshel. I'll have much more of it. I'm going to go to the source of the Moshel. Petifer's wife has a beauty, but all beauty in the world is a Moshel for a Nimshel. He traced it back to Yaakov Aviv, and he embraced that. So he didn't crush 
He didn't crush the feature in him of, of, of love and attraction. He just wanted the nimshal instead of the marshal. Not detach the marshal from the nimshal. Now I should just emphasize that in life, this entire beautiful shear doesn't always work. Sometimes you got to just run away without all these titus. Because if you start with Pilpul, you may end up where Yosef did. But if not, the marshal, the nimshal, and you won't know what hit you. So it's very nice to be sophisticated when you're in a calm mood. At a moment of passion, a person just has to be able to say, like the, the Shinavirov and Divya Yecheskel says, why Divya Yemoyan has a shalshelas? Because Yosef looked at her and said, nay, 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 boom. <laughs> shalshelas. If he didn't get it once, I'll say it. Nay, nay, nay. Of course, he said it in Yiddish, probably. Are these Mavarim written for the person to say that he too can ring such a Yes, but I'm just saying in a moment when your passion is overtaking you and overwhelming you, you have to be honest with yourself. Don't try this at home. In other words, if you start saying, oh, it's really a mushal for a nimshal, let me get the nimshal. In other words, you indulge it in every any possible way. It could be a tremendous trap of the Yitzhahara. You have to know where you are, when you are, when you are. In other words, from a reflective point of view, it's true, it gives perspective. At a moment of passion, you have to have the mechanism to be able to simply be stubborn. You have to be stubborn, you can't be sophisticated, because if you become sophisticated, you could fall. That's pshat, vayazov bigdoi biyada, vayonos vayetze hachutzo. Bigdoi is a lavush. Yosef left the marshal, the lavush, by her, vayonos vayetze hachutzo, and he went out to be able to reach the infinity of Tiferes. Like the Gemara compares the Hachutza of Paitifer's wife with the Hachutza of Hashem taking Avram and saying, Come Hachutza, go out of your stars. And he picked him up higher than the stars of heaven. He took him also Hachutza and the Chazal compared the two Hachutzas. Vayazov bigdoi biyada. Beged is a marshal, a lavush. So the lavush of love he left by her. He went out to transcend it to touch Yaakov of Venus Teferis. That's Pshat Muz de Yoichno Shal Yaakov Aviv Rabba Chaloin in the window. He had to lift himself up and see it from Yaakov's perspective. In other words, Torah is never coming to try to crush a person's um, enjoyment. Rather, it's here to come to develop one's taste buds. That when you're eating an apple, or you're eating an orange, or whatever you're eating, you should be able to experience more of it, not less of it. When we speak about eating l'shem shamayim, eating with consciousness, with the right consciousness, mindfulness, and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. It, so people think there is enjoying life, and then there's Judaism. That's one of the greatest mistakes that people make that forces people to pit a good life versus a Jewish life, a real Jewish life. So my brother, my father, my Zayd, my uncle, they're fachnok the people. It works for them. You know what fachnok means? I don't know how to translate it. They're fachvetch, they're fahak, they're, that's an English word, fachvetch and fahak, they're two English words. They're good, it's good for them. They're in the heavens, they're in the skies. But I, you know, I like, I like the real world. I like the real world, so therefore, it's not for me. But this comes all from the period, from the fragmentation we create between the marshal and the nimshal. It's exactly the other way around. 
in order to be able to fully enjoy the world, in order to be able to suck the marrow out of the world, out of life, you want to see the mushal as a mushal for a nimshal, not detached. When you detach the mushal from the nimshal, you're actually not getting the mushal even, because the whole mushal is only a mushal for the nimshal. So the Baal Shem Tov says, if you want the love, you got to tune in to the source of the love. If you're not tuning into the source of love, it's going to be skin deep, which is why you see, the more you strip the Gashmi from the Ruchni, the more temporary it is. It's a fast high. It's a fast high. Take even food, and certainly as Rashi says, Halechem Asher Oichel is not referring to food, it's referring to intimacy, but it's also about food. Take food. The more you could see in the food, the nimshal, the more you'll actually enjoy the meal. The less you will, it's going to be instant gratification. You're starving, so you grab the piece of meat or whatever it is. It's called fressing in English or some other languages. But the concept is the same, and you're done. And then fakert, you, a person is full, and you give them more food. They, they want to, it's, it's horrible. What, five minutes ago, this was Mashiach. <laughs> That's five minutes ago. Suddenly, Mashiach is now disgusting because the whole Messiah of the food was just because I'm starving. Now it's over. The more the marshal connects with the nimshal, it has an eternal quality. It has a timeless quality. It's nurturing on many levels, physically and also emotionally. But this is the avoid of connecting the marshal to the nimshal. The same is true with the other type of bread, intimacy. The more intimacy is stripped from its nimshal, the more skin deep it is, the more short-lived it is. It seems to be hot and passionate and exciting and stimulating. But every honest person knows, a few minutes later, boom. The, the, the ear is gone, the, the excitement is gone, and then the person, it's, it's, em, it's an empty feeling. Yeah. Okay, that's, uh, that's another sugi. He's saying about the sugi in Saito, what Yosef did with his fingers, not, not the point of Bakarka. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we spoke about yesterday with Shehashirim. That the Chiddush of Shehashirim is not that physical passion and spiritual passion are two worlds. There's heavenly passion and then there's earthly passion, real passion. It's not two worlds. That's what Rebbe Kiva said. Why not? Because Mayim, Mayim means there's two Mayims. When one realizes the truth of the Oilam, the world is a better place. The worldly passion is real passion because it's passion that is a reflection of infinite passion. I'll finish with a story. It's already late. They say that uh, the Baal Shem Tev used to daven long and there was a Jew who would come in every morning to watch the Baal Shem Tev's davening. <coughs> and he was an alcoholic. First an alcoholic. He lived in Mezhebush in the Ukraine. And like, uh, like other people in the Ukraine and even in America... He liked what they used to call in Yiddish, he loved drinking. And he would come to the Baal Shem Tov's davening and he would watch it and observe it. And after davening, he would go drink and he was smashed for the rest of the day. They once asked him, why, do you, why don't you just go drink in the morning? So he said that after the Baal Shem Tov's davening, the drink has a whole different flavor, a whole different taste. Why? Because the Baal Shem Tev's davening had such a brent to it, such a passion, such a yearning and thirst. So he says, this triggers in him a whole different level of thirst. And then when he goes to drink, ah, 
It's satiating. What, what, what is he talking about? He was a deep fellow, like many addicts. <laughs> His depth just didn't have Caleb to live a productive life, but he was a deep person. He knew that every taiva in the world, as strong as it is, is limited. Even the taiva to alcohol. And those who have a taiva to it, I don't know, I never had a chush in it, but those who have a taiva to it say it's unbelievable, like other bali taivas and other things. Every taiva, by definition, is limited. The Balshemtov's davening had a quality of bleak vul to it, had a quality to infinity to it. By him being, by the Balshemtov's davening, he allowed his taiva to gain fuel from an infinite thirst. So then when he went to drink, it was satisfying a much profounder thirst, which is why people who become addicted to cravings, they always have to up the bar. Yesterday's drug is not enough for today, because yesterday's high came from the newness, but today it's already old stuff. So I always need more and more and more and more. I always have to stimulate it through artificial increasing, incremental increases in order to be able to satisfy it. This is an illustration. So uh, the person, however, he says the Baal Shem Tev, his davening touched on the infinite because it was connected to Hashem, the source of infinity. So by hanging around there, his taiva was elevated to a different place. So his drinking was satisfying something else. What's the message here? The message here is it's a very profound idea in life that very often a person is fueling, getting their fuel from infinity. And that's what's driving it. The sad thing is that it gets stuck in the gullus of his addiction rather than tuning into the source. Okay. question about... This parentheses where he says here, it sounds like saying something which you referred to before. In other words, the mashpia has a tremendous gain because the mushpa only sees it from the concrete example but it can't trace backward. But he's saying the mashpia, by virtue of his ability to give a, a mushal that goes all the way down from your right. seal is down to everything. So he sees the whole path going right. forward. So he right. has like a, a mile. He has the advantage. Right. Because the mushal grows out from the nimshal. Right. So there's no concealment. So therefore, he's able to see the whole pathway. The whole t- that's his, his beauty. It's from inside out, not from outside in. It's like the person who's writing the music notes. Right. I'm writing the music right. he notes. He also gets to hear the music. They said. Right. Right. For me, the notes are just an expression of my music. When I read it, I, I don't see any of this. So he has a real mind. Yeah. This this nikud that we're speaking out so much. This traces back historically. The first tassim this year we had we had three years ago. It was a maimer of Purim. Chayav v'nish l'tzamei b'Purim. And it was kashi moshel hashadmoni. That's Chayav. Chayav. Also going always going back to moshel hashadmoni. Same same. Yeah yeah yeah. And you spoke about Hillel and Bachloks and Hillel. Shamai b'Kayav b'Kayav. They trace it back. Yeah. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.